Welcome to episode seven of the RevCast. I'm your host, Pastor Mike, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. I hope uh, you've been enjoying the last six episodes and six chapters. Uh, as we've discussed Richard Rohr's book, The Universal Christ, How a Forgotten Reality Has Changed Everything We See, Hope For, and Believe. Uh, today, I'm very excited because our guest happens to be uh, my pretty much best friend, uh, the Reverend Corey Simon. Uh, he uh, is a United Methodist pastor, uh, activist, uh, all sorts of wonderful things, blacksmith, budding blacksmith. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're going to take a couple minutes here at, at the beginning and let Corey uh, introduce himself to you so you know who he is, because I know who he is. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, so Corey, uh, say hi to folks and, uh, and introduce yourself. Hi folks. Uh, yeah. Um, activist, huh? I don't hey, know I mean, if I, hi. I don't know if I ever described myself that way, but sure. Let's run with that. Let's run with that. Let's go uh, social, maybe, maybe face, face well, Facebook <laughs> activist, at least. social I mean, justice no, warrior. Social, no, there you no, go. I'm not, there you I'm go. not going you, with no, no. Hey, I have <laughs> seen your picture at, at like important events. Important so, events. Yeah. Oh, fancy. Haven't I? Haven't I thought of some on Facebook? Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm, I <laughs> I used to serve on the east side of the state, just uh, 40 minutes south of Mike, and now I serve on the west side of the state of Michigan, uh, just 20 minutes north or so of Kalamazoo. Um, and, yeah, I, I try to – I, I preach with a focus on justice and uh, uh, theology um, as well as trying to balance those two and figure out uh, how, how we can be, how, how we can be better public theologians. All right. Um, tell us, tell us, uh, tell us about uh, uh, seminary. Where'd you go to seminary? Uh, uh, where did you grow up? Those kinds of things, anything like that? You can tell it's been a while since I've recorded. Uh, yeah, right. I. Yeah, well, I <laughs> you went. Ha, to, you have your own podcasts. Uh, I that do we'll, uh, that. That will plug at the end of the show too. Oh, we will plug those at the end of the show. So <laughs> I went to seminary in Washington D.C. at Wesley Theological Seminary, one of the one of the historical Methodist schools. Um, and I've been doing this pastoring thing for about uh, three and a half years now. Three and a half years as of the end of this year. Um. And so that's uh, that's a pretty exciting thing. Uh, and as Mike said, I uh, doing getting into blacksmithing, uh, trying to do, trying to um, get into get more into the uh, uh, the forging, uh, the reforging guns and things like that into um, uh, garden tools and things and such. Yeah, those of you that uh, that may have listened to. Uh, or or uh, go to the go to my churches or listen to the uh, the live stream from Facebook uh, last week I believe um, I I kind of told a, a bit of uh, the story of of Corey coming to uh, the uh, the art of blacksmithery um, but the other thing uh, just to make the connection a couple weeks ago uh, my my uh, good friend Ellen. Uh, Sandifer was here uh, on the podcast for episode five, uh, and and her and Corey are uh, recently engaged, and that's not letting anything slip, Corey, because we talked about it when uh, when Alan was on. So right, right, yeah, right. Uh, 
so so any anything else you want to tell us about your ministry about your life uh you have a couple cats right i do garth and vader garth vader <laughs> i freaking love that all right <laughs> so uh uh oh and and big big news and and uh, if i need to edit this out Corey, it, uh, let me know and i'll do that but <laughs> big big news uh today prior to the show i got a i got a phone call from Corey, and <laughs> i have uh, officially been asked to be pretty much a groomsman so uh at the wedding i'm pretty excited about that pretty uh, much a groomsman <laughs> pretty much a groomsman um we'll we'll have to we'll have to do another episode uh uh and rehash the uh we may have talked about it uh if you ever listened folks if you ever listened to uh my other podcast uh, grace cubed uh when we were in israel uh a year or so ago uh cory and i podcasted together our, our trip through there and i don't know i don't know if we podcasted the pretty much best friend story but uh we'll 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 come back to that at some point i don't i don't think we did i think that was after israel <laughs> uh that no that happened in israel Oh, did it? Yeah, we, we were having uh, dinner with the uh, oh, family in Bethlehem. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know if we podcasted about it that night. So I All right. don't know. <laughs> we were pretty <laughs> by that point in the trip. Yeah, yeah. All right, so, uh, so chapter seven of Richard Rohr's uh, The Universal Crisis called Going Somewhere Good. Uh, and he starts out uh, with this image of fire, and he talks about uh, kind of the different takes on fire, how how uh, scientists and, and uh, farmers and uh, uh, native peoples tend to see fire as both a destructive thing and a transformative thing, whereas uh, for most of us in the West, we look at fire and we see destruction. Uh-huh. Um, and he took that and he he paired it with this idea coming out of Luke 12, uh, where Jesus says, I've cast a fire upon the earth and how I wish it were already blazing. Um, and, and talking about, is this perhaps a metaphor not for destruction like we so often interpret, but but for transformation? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really I really liked starting off uh, with that image, because oftentimes, <laughs> right, oftentimes what we see uh, being taught is is that where we're going is uh, maybe eventually somewhere off in the uh, uh, way, way, way off. Uh, we're going to we're going to get some some heaven or something like that. But but where everything on Earth is going to is destruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead, this this suggests that perhaps. Uh, transformation is more more the destination that it's transforming into something good or going somewhere good. Uh, so as we as we get into that, that's that's kind of uh, the at least I've I've felt in the in the few times I've read this chapter that's kind of uh, where things where uh, where he's going. So Corey, what uh, what what kind of things stood out to you as you read this chapter? Uh, there were a number of things that, that kind of stood out to me. Um, namely, namely, he, Roar appears to be kind of working with that sense of, um, I mean, this, this gets a little bit further into the chapter, but Roar still, it really seems to be getting into more of like the, uh, or at least having been influenced by the Boston personalism view of God. Um, I don't know if, how familiar you are with that. 
and I myself uh, uh, only so familiar. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead and explain that a little bit. All right. Uh, the basic premise of Boston personalism is really a a kind of a material centric might be the word for it. Not quite, but it's close um, in the sense that so so the. Um, the Martin Luther King quote, the arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Right. Um, being a, being a, a calling card of, of Boston personalism as, uh, as King was a Boston personalist. Uh, and so it's this idea of like a, a personal image of God who relates to humanity um, in a certain way. And it's very similar to process thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that God himself is all, or yeah, God himself is also in the process of becoming um just as the creation is in the process of becoming uh-huh. it kind of steps away from that a little bit but uh that's the that's the very short and uh kind of wrong version of <laughs> <laughs> but but that's uh that's very clearly an influence on um on roar in this mm-hmm. see uh especially as roar seems to be uh rather rather insistent in this passage that uh all things in the universe, uh, all things in the cosmos, all things in the creation are arcing towards goodness or are, are arcing towards something good is going somewhere good. Right. So, so yeah, one of the, one of the chapters early on where we talked with, uh, with pastor Jeff Nelson uh, was called uh, original goodness uh, mm-hmm. and kind of the play on uh, not starting with original sin, but starting with original goodness. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, when you read this chapter, um, and he uh, kind of flat out says it that that uh, Christ uh, was was present at the Big Bang of the beginning of whatever whatever that was, mm-hmm. uh, and and history is unfolding to uh, to where we are going, and where we are going, uh, we both started as something good and will end as something good, kind of kind of idea, and the things and. Life and experience and uh, free will and all those things play out uh, in the in between, but but the the uh, the main thrust is is that God is pulling us towards something good mm-hmm. uh, or towards somewhere good. Uh, it, so so yeah, it is it is uh, that that kind of idea that 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 and, and yeah, with the arc of the universe. Uh, is bending towards goodness. Um, it, it, you know that 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 eventually we're gonna get there. <laughs> Which I mean, that's that's where I struggle a little bit. Yeah. Um, in the sense that, do I? <laughs> I agree. In the sense that there is, you know, the eschaton. There is the the great unfolding of God's plan for creation. Uh, but at the same time, there is still the work needed to get there. Like it's it's both it's both on us through the power of the Spirit, but also um, you know it's it's God motivated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to uh, you know <laughs> look looking at looking at the looking at the uh, the arc of humanity itself. Like you know there there's not always this indication that it's necessarily going to get there in a way that we often think. Right. So we have to, we have to be in, we have to be working towards it. Sure. And, and I, and I kind of, I kind of picked up on that a bit in, uh, in this chapter. 
Um, and I know sometimes it feels like, um, you know, when we say, uh, when we say that, that the arc of the universe, uh, is long and, and bends towards, and, and, you know, eventually will lead to justice that are eventually will lead to goodness, uh, that, that there's this tendency, this idea within us that maybe, maybe then we just sit back, we just sit back and let, let the universe do what it's going to do. But the problem is, and I, and I think Roar does hit on this earlier in the chapter, uh, is that it doesn't happen without us. None of this, and and uh, and I don't know how much of the rest of the book you've been able to read, but uh, uh, it's it's a very um, uh, intimate connection here between between Christ uh, and and creation, uh, and and we don't get to that somewhere good, even though that's that's where we're leading, where it's being led, or where we're being led to somewhere good. We don't get there. Mm-hmm. If we don't, if we don't, uh, if we don't do the work, work on our salvation in fear and trembling. Right, <laughs> to, right. To so, John <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the one of the first things he does is he starts uh, playing with some uh, some some original language kind of stuff. He talks about uh, how uh, the word metanoiate was uh, uh, translated as. Uh, uh, penitentia in the uh, in the in the second century i think it was mm-hmm. uh and how that change from metanoiate meaning uh a change uh of your mind or a going beyond your mind to uh to what we typically uh refer to as repentance mm-hmm. um and he and he kind of kind of makes the comparison uh that that the metanoiate it's it's a it's a change that works from the inside out, whereas the the penitentia the repentance uh, is a change of of the externals and and sometimes just changing the externals uh, without a change of that underlying worldview. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 what that means is that nothing has really changed. Um, right. Your 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 the the actions are the, the the desires are still there to do the things that you shouldn't be doing uh you you're just finding ways to mask it mm-hmm. um essentially right and so so to to step back for half a second yeah. right back to that idea of like the the arc of the universe type thing um the one of the reasons i kind of bristle at that is because of there is this tendency then to conclude that um you know aren't we better than people then right like there's often this tendency to to conclude that our society is in some way better than any other society that came before it that we're more just mm. and more more consciously aware yeah. um, while at the same time you know there's there's a mil- when we actually when we actually look at what our society does what our culture does like in many i mean in 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 a million ways we are more destructive than any other culture before us yeah, oh for uh, sure in, you know we we have the capacity we have the technology the, the thing that's really changed is just the technology and it's allowed us to make bigger changes faster well uh, and 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 even from a from a cultural perspective so mm-hmm. uh <laughs> Uh, every once in a while, uh, 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 Bree and I try to pick out a show that we'll watch together. Um, you know, so it, it just that point of connection and relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and recently we, we started watching, we found on Netflix, they had, uh, all whatever the seasons are of, uh, Mad Men mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'd never seen it and we started watching it 
and and I like was having serious reactions to the way that that uh, the men in the show behave right mm. the that early 60s uh, men on the world they always call women sweetheart and darling and and uh just just that treatment i think to, and i was thinking to myself man uh <laughs> you know we have a long way to go but we've come a long way from there but the reality is uh mm-hmm. and this and this kind of kind of hit me um when i was recording uh the simple theologian podcast this week uh is that what we what we've really done is is we haven't changed it we've masked it yeah uh, oh, and sure. and and we we call it something else we call it something uh, better so so like so like we've we have abolished slavery mm-hmm. right um but we still have uh we we've done away with slavery but now we have uh the working poor mm-hmm. right it, or- it's or, or we look at we look at history and we look at like uh, the mongrels, for instance, right? Or the Mongols. Um, isn't it terrible? Isn't it terrible that uh, uh, Attila the Hun could, you know, kill all the all the millions of people that he killed and sacked and raided? Uh, but then, you know, our culture, we can turn around, drop two atom bombs on two cities, kill, you know, several thousands of hundreds of thousands of people in the blink of an eye, uh, and just kind of and still well, look back. That's just, at, least, yeah. at least we're not Attila the Hun. Right, right. And then look back and somehow glorify that yeah. or, or come up with the mythology of, well, it was necessary. It was a needed yeah. thing. Well, and, uh, and that, you know, we have, we have that tendency. And I had a, I had a teacher uh, uh, early, early on in my, uh, my Bible school days uh, who used, to, who used to, to talk about how we rationalize uh, that we think, okay, we're, we're, we're better than the Baptist down the street that kicks his dog. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't kick my dog. I'm better than the Baptist on the street that kicks his dog. Uh, We we do that. Uh, We do it as as, uh, culturally as a nation. Uh, We do it individually, Um, which is why I think it is it's a key point that Roar's making uh, that it's not just about an external change. It's Mm -hmm. it's it's about an internal change that that uh, going beyond your mind. And one of the one of the things he talks about actually later on uh is uh, is that when Jesus called the apostles he challenged them uh to metanoia to to change their mind or go beyond their mind and that when they f- chose to follow him they had to leave behind their jobs and their families uh-huh. uh which in that in that culture in that time that is it it, it, it it's immediate and major has immediate and major social implications uh-huh. um but it is it is uh, it, it it's it's a it's a change that um is is significant um and it's and it is is from the core on out mm-hmm. uh, not just uh, something that's uh uh that looks like change mm-hmm. but is but is really a mask so so mark the watch there for a second because it only took me 19 minutes to get here right right so bringing in then the language of the powers and principalities boom <laughs> you boom. knew we had to get you know we had to get there. Um, of course, but, but, but there's this the the notion. Give it, give it a couple minutes, and I'll be talking empire. So, I love it. Um, 
Well, which is itself a principality. So perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so to to get into that idea, like you know, it's it's the realization that uh, this changing of the mind, as he would refer to it, uh, it goes beyond just us, right? Like we we have this tendency to to look at, especially in the Western world, to look at everything very individualistically. Uh, everything is everything is about the individual. But whenever we look at like the the judgment of the nations, whenever we look at like anything in the Old or New Testament, it's all corporate. Um, right. And and a lot of that gets down to this idea of uh, uh, this the who who it is we owe our allegiance to, who it is we swear our allegiance to. Um, Jesus Jesus, after all, was pretty insistent about not swearing to anything. Um. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. But here we are, we uh, in in a nation where you know kids are expected to say the pledge of allegiance every morning uh, at school. Uh, a lot of schools still do that. They, um, they do, and 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 then uh, uh, perform lockdown drills just in case. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> but we, you know, and then we got to bring the the prayer back to schools. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, and and so there's this to. Going back to that sense of the uh, the the Mongols and the Huns and whatever whatever else throughout the course of history, where we have this tendency to swear ourselves to to these lesser powers that are not God, mm-hmm. um, and with the conclusion that they these these lesser things will save us, uh, and then using the semantics game, we say things like, "Well, they'll save our lives, but God saves our souls." Right. Right, because um, not, because not, there's because there's a difference, <laughs> right? Not recognizing that Jesus seemed to be pretty insistent, as did the prophets, that there's um, that it's kind of both. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, so uh, I want to I want to I want to get to this because I know this is uh, this is a big a big piece for you. And as as I read through this every time every time <laughs> I went over this paragraph, I'm like, yep, I I. <laughs> I chose the right guest for, for the show. So, uh, so Rohr says uh, uh, that there is no such thing as a, a non-political Christianity. To refuse to critique the system or the status quo is to fully support it, which is a political act well disguised. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, uh, I know you have been been uh, dinged and emailed uh, uh, <laughs> many many times. Uh, from parishioners because of uh, uh, sermons being perceived as too political. Mm-hmm. Uh, what uh, uh, what do you what do you what do you have to say? Uh, I, I mean, I, I obviously <laughs> feel you agree with what Rora is saying here, but um, talk to us about about that. Well, I mean, to to put it to put it frankly, there's no such thing as being apolitical, right? Um, every every action we take, every single one is is public, is corporate, is political. Even the even the things we believe we are doing individually in our own homes, like even that requires corporate requires a corporate body to be able to do. The reason you have a home, the reason you have the the objects you you do your individual activities with, is because of well, the public is because of our corporate nature. Um, and, and to go further than that, everything that makes you, you is based entirely upon relationships. Mm -hmm. 
um, like we we are political creatures and and the entire definition of politics that I'm working with is you know the the idea of the governance or or organizing of of public bodies uh, and that goes for that goes for communities I mean that goes for neighborhoods that goes for states nations uh, gl- the globe even mm-hmm. and so too and so whenever I hear people say that you know church isn't supposed to be political that's that's starting from a place of of fantasy uh it's starting from a a sphere well it's it's really just starting from a a place of misunderstanding what we mean when we say politics right Um, because what a lot of people are saying is don't be partisan they just uh take it to be you know political uh but but every action we make or don't take is is in some way political it absolutely uh and and i agree with with the notion of uh not being partisan mm-hmm. um but but for sure uh, uh being political um to be taking an active role uh in that is is important and and a thing we're supposed to do so how uh, would you out of curiosity how yeah. would you define how would you define partisan uh <laughs> the you know it's it's the uh allegiance to a particular party as opposed okay. to uh voting on the issues by the issues just checking okay. yeah okay because um, i had to because i had to like think about that for a second i'm yeah. like i mean we we always say yeah yeah we always so, say not to be partisan and i'm like yeah i agree with that but then at the same time it's like but there are like, well, and and we end up in a time like we're in right now, where mm. <laughs> um, uh, the the nation is divided. We really only have uh, two choices when it comes to party affiliation. If uh, if you want to be taken seriously at, least, at, at least this point, with the vote anyway. <laughs> Pardon? At least with the vote anyway. Right. At least at least with the vote, you really only have um, two. And and right now, everything about them is so diametrically opposed. Mm-hmm. Um, you almost don't have a choice but to vote your your straight ticket, your straight party, um, mm-hmm. because and 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 not to say that anyone, uh, I neither party has has it right. Neither party is um, uh, gonna, I think, be able to uh, to fix everything. Um, mm-hmm. but there, there are, it, it, from my perspective, uh, there's, there are, there are more candidates in in one party than another that are at least, uh, on paper, uh, mm-hmm. concerned about, uh, human beings more than corporations. And right there, uh, there are two trains leaving the station. One is going to fascist town, USA, <laughs> uh, and the the other is going to not so fascist town USA, but <laughs> right. still a little fascist. <laughs> right, and um, they're they're like right down the street from each other. Right, and and we have the two like all all we're in fascist not fascist town USA is at least a little closer to where we actually want to be going. Right, um, and so we're kind of left with this with this choice of like, well, that's closer to the direction I want to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, one of the things Roar talks about uh, in in regards to to Christians who say they don't want to be political, uh, mm-hmm. he talks about he talks about pilot syndrome, as in Pontius Pilate, mm-hmm. uh, who who washed his hands 
symbolically and, and publicly washed his hands of the whole mess with Jesus and said, nope, this is yours. You do it. It's on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and pointed out that we do uh, a lot of times uh, have a tendency to do that. Uh, to look at our politics and say, nope, I'm washing my hands of it. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and today I, I you know, I, I think we're going to see that even more because uh, even myself who am interested in politics and interested in um, social justice and interested in making the world a better place, it is insanely difficult to to find uh, truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked, we talked uh, economics a bit at uh, um, uh, our discussion group this week down on tap. And, uh, and I made, I made a statement about billionaires and taxes uh, and uh, a, a couple minutes later, or well, a minute later, my, my, uh, my phone dings and I have a message from somebody at the other end of the table uh, with link to an article that explains uh, how what I said was wrong. And I'm like, well, okay, I have two links <laughs> to articles that say you're wrong. Um, right. And it's, and it's, it's so difficult. Um, but uh, the, the thing I always come back to, and I want people to come back to is that while we may not know the the truth about a particular situation or while we may see a study that says chewing bubble gum uh, will kill you and one that says chewing bubble gum will not kill you um, we can we can f- uh, foc- when we focus on on Christ when we focus on uh, on our faith um, some of those things some of those stressors some of those uh, bits where we think we have to know the 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 absolute facts on they can disappear and our decisions become not about uh, um, not about the 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 overarching facts of a situation but how how am I going to love how is this loving to my neighbor uh-huh. uh, how is this loving to my enemy how is this uh-huh. uh, displaying uh, the grace and love of Jesus Christ. Uh, and when we bring it back to that question, and, and that's what I have to do every time I turn on the news, I'm like, all right, let's be Jesus here. Um, <laughs> we need to engage. Um, but if what we're going to do is we're just going to launch links back and forth at each other, uh, we're, we're not really going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I also tend to lean away from if a big if a billion if a billion dollar industry is the one that's siding with a certain perspective, that's the perspective I tend to shy away from. Oh, sure. Uh, thanks, thanks, cigarette company or yeah. thanks big tech <laughs> yeah. for for kind of setting that precedent. Right. Um, but if the inhuman is pointing us towards that being the uh, the correct decision or that being the truth, then I'm apt to not side with that right and and that kind of gets into that that whole premise that i always i think i think if i if there is one thing that i could uh you know say to every person in the world right um, you're you're would, gonna you're gonna get about 12 of them right now go ahead well tw- a whole 12 <laughs> uh, well they can pull out their phones they they can pull out their phones and they can text it to everybody and we could have a god's not dead moment um 
<laughs> it would be it would be the notion that uh, that people are more important than property. Period. What? People are more important than profits. You're crazy. I know. I know. <laughs> no, that um, that is that is very very much true, uh, and mm-hmm. that's and, and that's. And that, and that's the gist of, of of what we're saying here is when it comes to to making our political decisions, when it comes to to voting or engaging in uh, in social justice activities, it's not um, so much about what the facts are, where they come from, but but where uh, uh, which which side is 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 saying people are more important. One. Well, and and to probably to probably take it back a few chapters to like something something you talk I hope you I imagine you talked about in an earlier chapter but the notion of like what is God right um there there is this common tendency in our modern Christianity uh, to work with the understanding as though God is like a big man in the sky. Right. Um, God sits his gigantic butt down on his throne <laughs> in heaven. and and dictates everything and somehow somehow god is also present everywhere but like the the central being of god is is sitting on a throne somewhere um versus versus this more and i'm going to throw out a big theology word here uh the more panentheist view that roar is working with yes panentheism panentheism being the idea of god being in all things not god being in all things or not god being all things which is what pantheism would say but that god is in some way in all things which mm-hmm. is really what he gets at when he talks about the the entire notion of the universal christ that christ is in everything um god in turn is in everything Right. Um, and, 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 and we, to, we have talked about that a little bit. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, and, and to kind of go from that, like that, that takes us back to when, when we have that understanding, um, that, that changes our entire understanding of not just how we relate to people, but how we relate to everything. Uh, because we, we seek to, uh, serve the image of God or serve the presence of God that is present in all things as best we can. Right. Um, and, and that goes back to that idea of the renewing of the mind. All right. So, so what <laughs> other, Hmm. <laughs> Pregnant pause. Uh, so uh, people who are listening to this on uh, on Overcast uh, won't even know that that pause was there. Um, so so going going on. Um, what uh, what are some other things that that might have jumped out at you in the uh, in the chapter? Oh goodness. Um, let's let's go back to that idea of fire, right? Sure. Um, so everybody so likes pretty- a good fire. Yeah, everybody likes a good fire. So, so going back to like that uh, that initial idea that he starts this chapter with, there's that that notion of our way, our understanding of fire, um, which mm-hmm. it goes back to the the eastern western divide. Um, and so here in the west, like fire, I mean, uh, Christian theology, especially in the west, fire is is seen as destructive. Um, 
Right. That's where we get our images of hell and, and, and things of that nature. Yeah. That takes us into our image of hell itself. Um, versus in, in, uh, in Orthodox theology in Eastern Orthodox theology, especially fire is seen as a purifying thing. Um, and, and so the, the, the Orthodox vision of hell, for instance, is the, is the same, the exact same as the, uh, and, and, you know, an Orthodox person might correct me on this, but, <laughs> but is, is essentially the same as the, the uh, presence of heaven, right? Um, the difference is how the individual soul is perceiving it. Right. Uh, so the purifying presence of God, like overwhelming all of creation to some may be experienced as good uh, and others, it may be experienced as pain. Right. Um, and, but, but to take this a step further with this image of, of the purifying fire, um, uh, which is found all throughout scripture. And Jesus kind of gets at that himself when he talks about like, uh, the na- the nature of the fire that purifies, um, uh, it's this idea of like that, which is impure about us is stripped away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that is what the that is what we we may we might come to call hell is that process of uh, uh, re <laughs> recreation, right? But it's but it's still a it's it's still a refining. Like there's uh, I think yeah, it's absolutely think it's, absolutely yeah. I think it's I think it's First uh, Corinthians <laughs> three maybe uh, where where Paul talks about uh, the 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 fire of judgment mm-hmm. that uh, that all our work uh is is laid before god uh and it's it's likened to wood hay and stubble and gold silver and precious stone and it's all there and the judgment fire passes over it uh and and what survives the fire or what isn't transformed by the fire um the pure goodness uh is what's left right Uh, and it's and it's the same as like the sheep and the goats uh in matthew 25 right the 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 sheep are the ones who who did who did all these things for Jesus, and the goats are the ones who didn't. Right. Um, I don't know about you, but there have been plenty of times when I haven't done uh, what what Christ commands in that passage. Oh, uh, yeah. took, it, took a day. <laughs> right. There there are a million. I more often, in fact, I don't do what he says in that passage. Uh, I did not give my clothes to the needy. I did not feed the poor or feed the hungry or clothe the naked or water the thirsty. Uh, mm-hmm. There are the moments when I did, but more often than not, I didn't. And so like, there's this realization that we are all of us, both sheep and goat. Right. Uh, but we're trying to become more sheep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even, even Fred Rogers, it said like, uh, his wife, uh, his wife, Janine, I think his wife's Janine. Um, she, she like said in an interview after he died, she's, she's talking about it and she's like, you know, he asked me, uh, and he would ask like other friends in the years before his death, she, he would say, uh, do you think I'm a sheep? Mm-hmm. Um, in reference to that. And so like, if Mr. Rogers, you know, the, the modern day saint <laughs> was asking that question, then we should all be constantly asking that question. Yeah. Uh, I like how, that. how can I become more like a sheep? I didn't know that. I didn't know that story. I like that story. 
That'll, that'll preach. That'll preach. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. And, and Roar goes on, um, uh, getting towards the end of the chapter now. He, uh, he says, he says, life does not have to be perfect to be wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to quote, uh, uh, Cardinal John Henry Newman, uh, saying that to live is to change and to be perfect is to have changed often. Uh, and, and I, I, I kind of really like that. Uh, uh, it's because it is it is that matter of um you're you're constantly working to to change the internal to change your mind to go beyond your mind mm-hmm. um and and be continue to to unfold and get deeper into christ become more like a sheep uh using using the other metaphor but it it doesn't happen all at once, mm-hmm. um, and and to acknowledge uh, that life does not have to be perfect to be wonderful uh, is very important for people uh, who look at their their lives and just think, well, I'm just I'm not worthy, I'm uh, a sinner, I'm stupid, I'm whatever whatever you do to denigrate yourself. Um, remember that life doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, and that life is change. Uh, and, and, uh, as good Wesleyans as wanting the, to be those that are going on to perfection. Uh, I think it's very true that that means we are the ones, uh, as we're going there, if we are the ones who are going on to perfection, we have, we have to change often. We have to, uh, realize that, that there are, uh, uh, uh there is a lot within us that is not yet a sheep. We are being sanctified. We are moving towards sanctification. If towards, you want to use big theological, words. I mean, I'm gonna be writing my my ordination paperwork over the next year, or so uh-huh. <laughs> it's coming up. Uh huh. I'm I'm gonna stick with uh, I'm a sheep. Ba 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 ba. Oh. So uh, as we're as we're getting towards the end here, Corey, is there anything else uh, you want to talk about in the chapter? Uh, for for me in particular, I really liked uh, towards the end, uh, the very end. He started talking about uh, uh, how how even our breathing uh, is a symbol of uh, breathing in is is the act of spirit coming in and filling uh, like Adam. Uh, and uh-huh. spirit and flesh becoming one, and exhaling is the spirit leaving its its incarnation uh, and and uh, death and resurrection all all rolled into one simply in your breath. Um, and that 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 kind of really spoke to me as uh, as the new year is is approaching, and I'm uh, working on uh, what I want to do. Not uh, not as I, I don't really do a new New Year's resolution. I do. Uh, I try and write a new rhythm of life for myself mm-hmm. um, uh, as far as discipleship goes and, and those kinds of things. And, uh, and, and breath prayers have been on my heart to come back in and I hit this and I'm like, yeah, that, that can change that a whole, uh, a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. So, so anything else, uh, anything else jump out at you? Uh, anything uh, you, you've wanted to, to share, but haven't yet? Uh 
pro- probably just to kind of kind of uh, uh, use a sense of caution, <laughs> I would say, okay. um, in in relating to like that that sense of uh, natural natural theology, right? That sense of um, seeing the cycle in, in nature, seeing the, the the cycles of how it works, of death giving way to life, and mm-hmm. um, that I I. Hmm. How do I want to phrase this? Uh, I see the value in that, but at the mm-hmm. same time, like it's something that I kind of uh, am, am cautious about uh, because there is this notion of because the implication then would be to suggest that therefore death is a good thing, um, which kind of which which in a lot of ways goes against like the the traditional uh, uh, Christian witness. Right, death is the last enemy to be defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, God, God redeems, um, but death itself, like, is is the absence of being. Um, and so God can pull life from death, like God, God resurrects, God restores life to. But um, that's not necessarily to say that death, as we as we understand it in our our human senses, is necessarily a good thing. Huh? Do you do you follow what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, I I I I follow what you're saying. Okay. Um, it's uh, uh yeah. It, it's it's another conversation for another day. I think. Right. <laughs> um, here we are starting starting ep- episode seven A of the Revcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, death. Um. No, uh, it uh, you know I I I hear you. Um, there's and and for me for me if I take it if I take it back and I and I and I look at uh, uh, our our creation uh, poems and narratives that we get uh, in back in Genesis, and if mm-hmm. I and if I take that and I say okay yeah literally um, when humanity was created we were created without um, uh, death. Right, we were created as immortal, and it was only eating of uh, uh, the tree that that caused us to have to die eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, if 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 that's if if that's what we're believing is the beginning, then then sure, um, death death is uh, uh, is the enemy. Um, death death is uh, a consequence uh, of sin. Um, Whereas, uh, if if as allegory, as metaphor, as as a um, a way people uh, in that time understood things, mm-hmm. um, it, and we acknowledge that that uh, the death of a body is um, whether plant, animal, uh, human, is is part of the uh, part of part of nature part of being alive um then uh, then it's not such such a scary thing and it's not such a uh a, a, an evil or something to be feared um it's not it's it's not something to uh, uh to run towards headlong because life has a purpose uh but it but it's also part of um uh, part of part of uh a, a transition um, mm-hmm. from one life to the next um 
So, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot there and that's, I mean, we could, we could probably start a whole podcast on, uh, on talking death and dying, but, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> There is there is a whole lot more uh, that Richard Rohr covers in Chapter 7, so I hope you read it. Uh, and go back and read it again. Uh, he talks about uh, uh, early Christians uh, in the second century calling themselves Catholics or the Universals, uh, n- uh, not as uh, being sectarian, but as, a, as a inclusive, as a, uh, this is a message that goes out to humanity kind of thing. He talks about grace. Uh, he talks about Richard Dawkins. He talks about... Uh, uh, love being the energy that sustains the universe talks about a lot of things. So uh, go ahead, uh, reread the chapter if you need to. Uh, if you want to continue the conversation, you can do that with me uh, on Twitter at Rev Mike UMC or uh, on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash the real Mike Desitel um, or uh, find me. I'm in, I'm in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Uh, you can check me out uh, at, at either of my churches, uh, St. Matthew's United Methodist in uh, Ypsilanti or Cherry Hill United Methodist in Canton, just up the road a piece. Uh, Corey, uh, you have uh, uh, any other uh, blogs, websites, uh, podcasts you want to you want to plug? Help let people get in contact with you, maybe. Certainly. Uh, you can find me. You can find me online at disruptivedisciples.com. Uh, that will, that's kind of like the hub. If you go there, you can find all the different projects that I'm either working on, have worked on in the past, or will be working on. Um, you can find me, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Rev Corey Simon. Uh, uh, I also, I run a few other podcasts, one of which, uh, one of which is in the process of getting back on its feet. It's the open pew. Uh, and the other one is, uh, real Christianity. It's real as in a movie, real R E E L real Christianity. And that's where we review Christian movies dash movies with a religious theme. Uh, and it's usually pretty funny. Uh, we usually, you know, I- we're usually pretty merciless when it comes to reviewing these things. Uh, check us out, uh, hit us up on, on social media and all those things or, or come out and find us wherever we are. We usually, uh, are pretty easy to find, uh, Corey, thanks again, everybody. Thanks again. And, uh, you have a great day. God bless. Peace. Peace.